Welcome to the Citrine Room podcast. The theme of this series is called Lost and Found. Every one of us has lost something in our lives that meant something to us, whether it was a person, a job, or even ourselves. But in that process, directly or indirectly, we will have found that thing that changed our perspective or even the course of our lives. It is in that space between losing and finding that we discover who we are, our passions, priorities, or even just a palpable knowledge of being in place and time. In this podcast, we meet people who take us on their journey from losing to finding, and we get to know who they were and who they have become as a result. The Citrine Room is a news and lifestyle blog with a focus on stories that expand the way we think and challenge the way we feel. I am Monita Rajpal, a journalist, a curator, and a blogger. My guest on this episode of Lost and Found is Osman Beg. Osman is a writer, journalist, and actor. We were colleagues during our time working at CNN, both in London and then Hong Kong. Osman is a kind, smiling, happy man with a view of being open to people, places, and opportunities. Most recently, Osman performed his one-man show, Fake News, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival to rave reviews. We spoke one morning over the phone while he was still in the Scottish capital, and he shared with me his story on how, after losing the most important person in his life, he found his voice. First and foremost, I want to say congratulations oh, on you. Fake thank News. Thank you so much. Sold yeah. out performances at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Is it a sense of vindication, if you will, towards yourself, if not others, that you were able to, that you have been able to do this? Because it takes a lot of courage. Yes. And um, I think one thing I always remind myself of uh, is if you are a writer or I suppose as well, if you're a journalist, if you, you know, if you create something in any way, the most terrifying thing you can face and imagine is that blank piece of paper that you know all comes from um and i think often it is having the courage to i'll tell you the one thing that is the only thing that um has really got me through this entire process is it's a bit of advice that uh, someone gave me very sort of unexpectedly at a, a train station it was a friend that i've been doing an acting class with and um she's uh yeah she's also an actress too and she's uh, gone on to be very successful and we were speaking about success and the desire for success and where it comes from and how you you know you you, you can become successful and she said to me what is your motivation in why do you want to be successful and i was slightly thrown i was like well doesn't everyone want you know fame and fortune or doesn't everyone want to be you know have the trappings on paper of what success is and she said to me no success is something different success is not about what you gain for yourself it is about how much you give to others so um for example in my case i began to think well what is it that i really want to share with the world what do i have to say that can benefit and enlighten people mm. and that uh, or even just get them to think you know there have been some not so rave reviews but in a way i'm glad because it's provoking a reaction and so at the end of every show i say to everyone thank you so much for coming and sharing this story with me i hope it's given you something to think about and maybe think twice about when it comes to the news and media so it's not really a sense of vindication as uh, as you mentioned i think it's more it's a sense of gratitude, yeah. I'm just so grateful that of the 4,000 shows out there at the Edinburgh Fringe, that groups and groups of people would spend an hour of their time to choose mine and to think about what I have to say. 
Um, and that's really just the, kind of been everything that has motivated me from day one when I did have that blank piece of paper. It was about what can I give to the world that could help it. What helped push you over the fear and put yourself out there? Well, it's still something that I find scary. So I've begun writing a, a second project now. I, I am the worst for finding opportunities to procrastinate or to, you know, put things aside and not think about it. With fake news, I think my friend um, Sam, who is the uh, director and who's worked with me as the co-producer, he was a hugely motivating factor because he um, encouraged me and believed in the story from day one and we'd often talk about it. And it was weirdly one of those things where I was like, I've got to do this to impress Sam. So, mm. so, you know, those things, sometimes a personal motivator can be far more effective than sort of like the amorphous idea of just, you know, success for, your, for yourself. Um, so Sam was a huge, you know, instrumental part in getting this story um, up and done. In terms of, you know, when we came to performances, um, it was really, yes, my friends as well, who were massive motivators. It, it never felt, even though the show is a one-man show, I've never felt alone on stage because I have the audience. And when there are friends and family in the audience, that just, it's a huge, diff you know, it makes a huge difference because you feel that love and support and energy coming from them. Um, so that has helped in terms of getting over the fear in performance and, you know, stepping onto a stage um, is knowing that, you know, there is love and support being directly beamed sure. at you if you will you mentioned something about you you having something to say what was it that was so profound for you that you felt you needed to share yes i, I distinctly remember the moment because i was working in the cnn newsroom and i believe it was when they there had been um I can't remember the exact details, but it was a sort of a, a bomb scare or a pipe scare where CNN offices had been mailed mm. suspicious devices, which luckily turned out to be OK. Um, and it was at that moment. I mean, I'd still been considering the story, but that, what that is the moment that really solidified my drive to write it and to precipitate the story, because I thought to myself, who is this man or who is anyone to be? you know, calling out my friends and my colleagues as fake news, to be discrediting people who I know literally are putting their lives on the line to help give a voice to the voiceless. And I, um, you know, I don't have the reach of somebody like President Trump or his base, of course not. But I thought, what can I do in my own small way to stand up for, you know, people I love and respect and who I work with on a daily basis? And, you know, and how dare they be discredited like this? And I wanted in whatever way I could as an artist to help redress that balance. And I think that was the moment that I was like, yes, you know, I have to do this. This is why it's so important for me to tell this story, because I don't know any other journalists who are also playwrights or actors. Um, I don't know many people who can breach both these worlds like I can. Yeah. Um, so I thought this is what I have to do. Did you always feel you had a performer in you? Yes and no. I think that there was... I would always be that person who uh, would go to theater and maybe a tiny part of me would be like, oh, I'd love to be on that stage too. It was always, you know, a fantasy. Um, but actually following through and going to drama school, retraining as an actor was something that happened later. It was, um, 
it's a really funny route actually so i'm gonna see this um a friend of mine is called rose she's in a, sh- a show here at edinburgh as well I, I wanted to see it yesterday i'm gonna try today she was my first singing teacher so actually my route was into acting was through music mm. um i just took singing lessons in my my 20s because i wanted something to do as a hobby because i you know it just felt like i was just working or sleeping all the time and um it was in doing those lessons and i didn't get very far with it but she introduced me to the idea of like retraining as an actor because we would often talk about how you can work professionally um, in the industry by getting an MA and then going to drama school that way even if you've had another career beforehand Mm. and I didn't realize that that was a done thing I kind of assumed that you always had to have gone to stage school and then gone to a drama school to get a three-year degree and that was your route Um, so I had no idea about the MA situation and uh, Rose was the one who told me about it and I got thinking and that then prompted me to prepare for that and do acting classes and uh, hire an acting coach to get ready for auditions and I suppose I slowly built up the courage to go for an audition for an MA at drama school a one-year course Um, and then amazingly I, I got in and I thought well this is surely too good an opportunity to pass up on and then throughout the year that I was training um I guess that was my I mean it's it's intense and it's hard work but when you're surrounded by creativity and when you're in that world all together I think the biggest thing a drama school can give you is teaching you teaching anyone that yes I am now an actor Mm. Um, so that was my route it's quite unusual tell me about growing up in Bradford Yes. Uh, so Bradford is um, it is a city which often gets a sort of unfair reputation. Um, it has been there's a, a large South Asian community there and um, that is often maligned um, in the press. Uh, it has been sort of linked to there were riots when I was young, um, which obviously did not do it any service um bradford was where salman rushdie's satanic verses were mm-hmm. publicly burned um so it's got a reputation as being a sort of violent and dangerous city um i actually love going back there i, I feel there are so many positive there's beautiful countryside around there there's amazing food the people are friendly um but i suppose growing up there was a bit tough because it was one of those places where there was racism and you kind of had to keep your head down and i think there weren't many opportunities say if you were a you know if you're a young performer or you're a young uh, creative person my parents were very much sort of on the academic side as well and school was the most important thing they always had the belief that you know with a good education you could rise you know, up to any situation, which is actually, honestly, I think one of the greatest things that they have given me, they, the belief that uh, you can do anything you want to in life if you want it and you work hard enough for it. Um, and I think I might not have had that same drive later on in life had it been, had, it, had you know, it, I've been brought up in an easier environment. I think being somewhere like Bradford that is a bit tough and, you know, can harden you mm-hmm. I think it's probably been quite good in terms of my reserve and motivation later on tell me about your parents um so uh my um my mother sadly passed away um three years ago uh, my dad is still alive he still lives in Bradford um they were both teachers mm-hmm. my dad is now retired um and actually it's funny that uh, you mention uh my mother because um I, I know the theme of this uh podcast is lost and found and I really do feel that um, 
yeah, some, something unusual has happened since uh, since she died. She died suddenly just over three years ago of a rare illness that we were not aware that she had. Mm. And um, obviously it was a massive, you know, trauma and shock for the family. Um, but in strange ways, I do feel as if she's still with me. It's uh, it's hard to describe, but I'll often dream very vividly about her and mm. as if she's still here. So I, 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 in a way, I... I it's it's like she's still here with me at nighttime and just not in the day. Um, also, on the day that she died, on the date, February the 12th, I noticed that unusual and quite amazing things that seemed to happen, which I can't have a logical explanation for. On the first anniversary, um, I believe that I found... Um, a, a, for some reason, I ended up covered in feathers. Um, and some people believe that feathers are signs from angels showing you that uh, loved ones are looking looking out for you and looking over you. Mm. Um, the second date, I actually finished. I was due to go in for a rehearsal for a play that I was uh, in in London. And I just, I called up the director and producer and said, I'm so sorry, I can't, I can't come in today. And what I did instead was right. And I ended up finishing the basically the draft of fake news that you'll see on stage now. I finished oh, it on wow. that day. Um, and then the uh, last year, um, this year, it, it's very funny. Uh, as many of you know, I'm a big Mariah Carey fan. Mm. And uh, I was listening to, I was feeling very upset. And I was listening to one of her playlists on Spotify. And I had, you know, I knew, I knew that playlist inside out, back to front. And then suddenly a new song came on as I was feeling particularly low, particularly low. Mm. And I'd never heard it before. And it's called Bye Bye. And it is a song Mariah wrote about the passing of her father. Mm. And um, in it, she uh, includes one of the lyrics, which is particularly poignant, is uh, you never got to see how good I've done. You never got to see me back at number one. Wow. And what it meant was I, it just it gave me the sort of courage that day to think, you, you know, the people who have who you have lost, they want you to do well and they are rooting for you and they are on your side. And I really feel that this remarkable journey that I've had with fake news and that I'm sure I will continue to have from performing, you know, a year ago to seven people above a pub in London to now being completely sold out at the world's largest arts festival. I, from day one, something about this has felt blessed. Um, I love that. So, I love that so much. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Well, on the theme of lost and found, I lost my mother, but I think I found my voice and I think she helped give it to me. That's beautiful. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's just, it has felt so special. And tomorrow my sister and nephew will be watching. It's the first time family members have seen the show. Yeah, you've so had, you've said that you've one. had, you, you, you're, you've been reluctant to have family come and see your show because it's, you know, it's one thing to have strangers, you yes. know, watch you perform. It's another when, you know, it's your, your immediate family looking at you and your yeah. loved ones. It's a whole other ball game, isn't it? It's just a bit personal. And even though there's nothing in the play that is in any way um, derogatory towards my family or is in any way, uh, you know, saying that they are negative about them, it is a little personal. Um, but my sister has read the script and I thought, well, you know what, 
I don't, so for example, I don't know if this play is going, there's nothing in writing yet about the future of this play. This could be the only chance I have to share it with them. So I thought, why not, you know, why not just celebrate the journey as it has been so far and who knows what will come next, but uh, may as well, since uh, everyone else seems to want to see the show, may as well let my family see it. You've said that you've found your voice. Mm. If you had to describe your voice, what would you say? I don't want to tell the stories that other people have already been telling. Uh, People often say to me, oh, fake news should have more. You should make a bigger feature of your race, for example, in the story. Right. But I don't. There are other stories out there about race. Um, You know, you can get that if you want a story of what it's like growing up in Bradford. You will find plenty of those already. I want to transcend what I am and showcase who I am. So in this case, it's a journalist um, and it's about journalism. And while I'm not whitewashing my identity in the story, I want the primary narrative to be about, you know, the 12 years of my life and my career as I have known them. Mm. Um, In terms of future writing, the second project I'm working on now is it's more unusual. It's a love story, but it is a love story not between one person and another, but between one person and themselves. Mm. Um, so it's about how the most important thing in life you can do is to, it sounds like a cliche, but it's to learn to love yourself. And that is often what I consider the greatest love story never told. So that is the next thing I want to work on. I want to tell, so I remember a quote from someone saying, be more personal is the more universal. Mm. And I just feel if I can keep digging into myself and into my experiences and put things, aspects of my life out there that maybe I don't often see discussed elsewhere, um, I think that's what I want to focus on. Like Toni Morrison said, um, sometimes you have to write the book that you really yourself want to read. Mm -hmm. And she phrased it much more beautifully than that. Um, But yeah, that's what I'm looking to do, just sort of, by sharing the personal um, and by sharing what is important to me, hopefully I will find uh, interest and recognition from others who maybe feel the same. I think perhaps more importantly is that you tend to find yourself. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Right. And you learn. Yeah. And then you learn to also, you have the confidence to be yourself. Yeah. How did, I can share this. How did you learn to love yourself, all of yourself? Well, it's a it's still a journey, um, and I, yeah, I'm not sure if necessarily I am always there, but I suppose it came from having, I suppose, the recognition of this play. And when I was saying about losing my mother, but then finding my voice, when the um, I suppose a massive turning point in this process was a great review uh, that I got in The Guardian a few Mm. months ago during a preview for this play. And uh, while I'd had other good reviews before, it was nothing on that level. That was sort of game-changing, not just in terms of publicity that would later come for Edinburgh, but also it was game-changing for me because what it showed me was I had a unique voice and experience in this world that had the right to be recognized. I love that, the right Um, to be recognized. I love that. Yeah, and to be recognized and to be respected for who and what I am, that something that I had created on my own and performed on my own was worthy of praise from 
the top journal of merit in in this industry. Mm. It just it, it showed me that I had value, and I you know I often can be a quite an insecure person, and artists often are, or they often feel that their work is never good enough. Actors are the hardest people on themselves, and that's why I think you get a dichotomy where you get some sort of big movie stars who may come across as arrogant. Actually, they're just the, probably the most insecure people of all, and they're trying to cover it up. Mm. Um, but knowing that even though, of course, review is just an opinion and it was just one person's opinion, that it could even sway one person to that degree. It showed me that, yes, I am, you know, for all my faults and foibles, I have something to say and that it, yes, as I said, had the right to be recognized. And from that moment on, that's really just given me the courage to keep going with this journey and along the way, hopefully, yeah, finding more self-love, self-respect. And I guess it goes back to, you know, what we said in the beginning. It's about how you define success and it's, you know, what you're able to give uh, to yeah. others. And through your work, you're able to share your experiences and how hopefully others will, you know, take inspiration from it. But I also feel that, you know, success is defined in a, I, I define success as being happy with who you are and where you are mm. and the choices yeah. that you've made. Um, I, I believe that if you're comfortable with, when, when you look in the mirror and you say, you know, this is, it's a good day and I feel good, that's success for me. Yes, that's beautiful. I love that. And we can forget that so often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially like in industries like, say, acting or journalism, there's always a pressure to, you know, be bigger, have more, get more. Um, but I love that. Yes. The idea of just waking up and thinking this is a good day. I think so much of that, you know, we we, we get caught up in this rat race of, you know, mm -hmm. whether it is earning a lot of money or having a big house and a fancy car or having the yeah, recognition yeah. or a title on a business card. And then, yes. you know, this constant, it, it just never ends. It's, oh, well, you want, you know, that, that award or that accolade. And it becomes this, yeah. this drug. And when you, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it can, it's all consuming. And then it's not, it takes you so much further away from who, who you are. Yeah. Yeah. That, success is this it's a it becomes very vulnerable because it's based on other people at, yes as opposed to what it is for you and i think yes. where, the way you're you're exploring these themes these you know universal themes of humanity that's you know mm. for me in a way that's success in itself because you're so self-aware I, I see this makes me recall I did just post this on Instagram a quote from Madonna so I, I just I had a couple of rough days where I had two very very bad reviews and now I actually see them as positive because I um, at least I am eliciting a reaction a strong reaction absolutely yeah and it might not always be positive and obviously an artist like Madonna has had the same thing where it's she's been controversial and she has pushed buttons and people have then there has been a backlash and she said I have been successful and unsuccessful popular and unpopular loved and loathed and it's true at the end of the day if you're relying on other people well you, that, you know the only way to really never receive criticism is to say be and do nothing yeah um so there you know i think it's it's so important to remember that 
the opinion of others is their opinion it's their feeling and uh, to quote RuPaul what somebody thinks of me is none of my business it's exactly true because you know what you can't control other people's thoughts and feelings yeah you can only control your own I, I do believe in the universal genius I believe in spirituality I believe in energy and I mm. I think it's absolutely beautiful that you recognize that what you lost the most precious thing in the world, your mother. Yes, um, yes. You have found her through yeah. the work that you do. Yes, because she was always, uh, just before she died, so she never got to see me really um, in my acting career. I had just finished um, drama school. But uh, she did get to at least see one project that I did very early on. It was a very, very small role in a commercial for British Airways. But the main actress was, um, I can't remember the, her name now, but was a very sort of veteran, famous Indian actress. And my mum got to see that, uh, you know, that commercial when it was, uh, was broadcast. And at least I, I know that she, I just saw her smile. and I saw how happy she was for me. And I know that she would be, and probably still is, my biggest cheerleader. And so while I know I've lost her in, you know, in this life, in this permutation, I think I'm not sure if I would have had the the courage and sort of the the drive to succeed had it not been for knowing I've got a. There is a part of me that's like I'm going to do this for you. She would always when I worked at Sky, we had an open studio and uh she would um watch this one particular show, the business show, mm. because I would be sitting at the desks on, on the news desk in the background and she would always watch this. I'm sure well, it was an incredibly boring show for her about the markets. <laughs> uh but she'd watch it just to see me and then she'd message afterwards and say, "Oh, I got to see you today." Um I I did an interview on Sky News. Yes, I um, saw that. Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago yeah. and I just kept thinking my god what how thrilled she would be to have actually seen me not in the background but as the subject of the interview itself. Well, I think um, she sees you. So, I think she sees all yeah, of you. I hope so. And it's and it, it's through your work. It's through who you are. And mm-hmm. she must be very very proud as am i as we all are the people who know you you. we're very very proud of you it means so much to hear that because as you say you know you can often forget it or get caught up in you know other trappings but uh then nothing you know at the end of the day without love and support from friends and family and loved ones what is it all for anyway yeah I wish you continued success, Osman. A success Thank how you, you define so it. Thank you so much. Thank you, and likewise to you as well. You've been listening to the Citrine Room podcast. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, I'm Onida Rajpal.